Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jacob, you sitting there waiting on the waiting on the weather to come through the studios yet? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what's coming through. Uh, you know, they were saying it was going to get severe here this evening, but I will wait and see. The winds. I don't think it's going. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I like a little bit further north. I know I've been spent pro, most of this week up kind of north of north of I twenty, and uh, man, it has been some rain up there. I know I sat through it Monday and yesterday, just all day raining up there. And if any place needs rain. It's not up there. I can just go ahead and tell you that, especially the way the, you know, the way the Mississippi Delta is looking, and um, you know, it looks like sad to say, but maybe a repeat of of last year. Man, those people are about to be in a bind again. I believe. Man, don't even talk like that. Those those poor folks up there had a rough time last year. I know it was. You know, several of the folks we talked to during duck season and and throughout the last couple months, you know, lost. Lost just about everything, spent months away from their home, had to boat in and out to check on stuff. That's oh, I know a, it. I saw, that's a bad uh, deal. I saw it there. Our old, old buddy uh, Chuck Perry had posted some pictures on Facebook that uh, that it was it was back up almost to his yard again. So I guess he's making all his preparations. He ought to, he ought to know the routine by now, sadly to say. Well, you know, last year he took a traco and dug a pit built him an embankment yeah. around the the shop area the restaurant little area down there and i think yeah did it ever get over it over his little uh, yeah I, yes it did it did get into the into the, the the lake george grocery bar but it did not get in his house i don't believe but okay no good either way no but man and and you know to go with that you know duck season has ended turkey season's right around the corner you know we've got a couple couple big events coming up i know nwtf has their convention this week in tennessee i want to say yeah then i think it's the 20 about the 20 what seventh or so is pike commit nwtf chapter i can't remember we had jimmy, that's right, the jimmy on the other night i can't remember the date i think it's about the 27th something I think like it's that the 27th is the the pike commit nwtf chapter banquet which is one of yeah, the largest in the state. So yeah, when Jimmy was on the yeah, other day, he was telling I think us he said about what, it. Like the, it was like in the top ten largest in the in the country. Yes, I believe it's so. A, uh, I believe Nelson and that uh, that crew over there have done a really good job. And oh yeah, you know, and the the, oh, yeah. the previous presidents and crew members have all chapter members have all put a a really good program together. So oh no doubt, no doubt, and we were actually talking. You know, it's texting back and forth with, with Franz, our Delta Delta Waterfowl Regional Director Day, trying to get everything up for our kids' events. That's going to be the uh, the first Saturday in April. So that is correct. I've got to get some be- stuff out on Facebook and let let everybody know. You know, we're partnering again with NWTF. We're going to partner with 4-H Mississippi State Extension. Uh, I've got some other commitments that I've got to get finalized, but it should be between ten to twelve groups of us again. Yeah, doing the wildlife first hunt expo, wildlife expo, whatever we're officially naming it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it'll be a it'll be a good time nonetheless. Always is, always a good man. Heck, it seems like every year getting a getting a better turnout. 
year after year. So something we well, and something we always look forward to doing. And the guests that we have on today, there he is also a Delta Waterfowl member, and they have their kids event coming up, I believe, the weekend before ours in Lake Charles. So okay. we'll, we'll have to get a little info awesome. out of Miss Bill on that in a little bit, but. You know, a lot yep. of lot of neat things coming up with spring. There's always new things popping around. Mardi Gras parades are are in full bloom, and yeah, I'm probably not gonna make one of those. You're not feeling Mardi Gras? No, no. We'll probably let Shetler and inform us of how all the Mardi Gras activities are going. Well, I know this. Uh, I have heard more about king cake in the last week than I've wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> seen more smell you know i mean everybody's swinging by the office with them or my wife has picked up several to give out to folks for different occasions and like it is that you time know of i the haven't year. i haven't had one yet and i hope i can go without one i'm just i'm just gonna lay it out there I'm, i think i'll be better off without one well i'm gonna bet it's not on your strict regiment workout dietary yeah plan you know there. Yeah, you know, duck season. Duck season is over. That's what I was telling somebody the other day. He's like, man, you still going to the gym? I was like, well, I said, for the past about three months, two months, no. But I said, duck season's over with. I can get back into my into my, my dieting now. I was I was doing so good with in my, my gym. And so, uh, so yeah, yeah, what's the... Uh, it's a fresh, fresh start back on that since hunting season is is behind us, and it's not so bad to keep it up during turkey season. With turkey season, you're always doing a lot of walking and and stuff like that, so turkey season just kind of feed into it, you know. Yeah, but I when you walk in the belly crawling, exercise. yeah, you, yeah, it, it's kind of like a, a mini workout anyway. If you go on most of oh, the yeah, hunts that on. we go on, so. I'm gonna get you back in that kettlebell class, and we can see if we can kind of get you shaping back up a little bit. Man told me round was a shape. I'm gonna run with that. <laughs> I've been sporting that one for a while. <laughs> well, well, look. Oh, not, before we get too far into the workout system here, let's introduce our guest. Yeah, let's get. Yeah, let's get back to our guest. We got us a good one here today, don't we, Jake? We do. We have Mr. Bill Daniels with Riceland Game Calls. Mr. Bill, you there? Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Bill, why don't you tell us a little bit about 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 yourself it we got a lot of folks on here that may or may not know you i know a lot that do in the industry uh, kind of kind of introduce yourself a little bit well i'm the owner of riceland custom calls uh, we started making goose calls in 2010 and now we have a full lineup of just about every kind of call you can think of including a couple of different species for europe even Wow. Yeah, when we started the call business, I had no idea that all the places in Europe and and such that, that hunt geese and ducks just like we do here. All right, Mr. Bill, uh, I'm going to ask, pretty eye-opening. I'm gonna ask <laughs> an uneducated question. Is there a lot of difference in the way that the, the ducks and geese over there sound than it is to ours? Uh, nope. When I when I went to uh, when I went to Russia, the specks sounded like specks, and the ducks sounded like ducks. Um, <laughs> a, I mean, they have basically the same birds we have here: specks and mallards and pintails, widgeon, all the all the same same species that we have in the United States. 
Okay. So I guess I guess I'll ask the question: What makes it a European call? Is it just you just well, marketing? Marketing is that or what? No, it's uh, I make a gray lag goose call there, there in Europe. Okay. Uh, and then I make a Eurasian teal call also for the for the guys over there in Europe and in Russia. Okay, so you just target some of their exclusive species, I guess you could say. Yep. Yep. I got you. I got you. Now, what type yeah, of they, sound does a Eurasian teal for, make? Go ahead. What kind of sound does a Eurasian teal make? Uh, it's it's like a little bit lower pitched than a blue wing teal. Okay, the uh, same laugh. A, 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 a fast quack, similar to a blue wing teal. There you go. Yeah. I don't guess I've ever had one of them fly fly in the spread well, before. They look just like they look just like a green wing teal. They're basically a green wing teal. So it, 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 it makes basically the same sound as a green wing teal hen, but. Most people don't ever use that sound here. Yeah. True. True that. Well, you know, we had the, Mr. Bill, when you and I first met this year, uh, we had the opportunity. My boys had just killed, uh, Luke had just killed his first blue wing, and Hayden had also, and we came over and, and got calls from you. And, and you know, that that lit up their day. That made, that, that put the icing on the cake. They had, they had been successful on the hunt and had a great time, and then they got to meet the Mr. Bill Daniels and, and go through, and you were nice enough to show them the shop and, and you know, visit with them a little bit and show them a little bit how a call was made, and they got to get a photo with you in front of all your plaques, and it, it was a really great time, and I, I wanted to say thank you. That, was, uh, that meant a lot to me and meant a lot to the boys, too. Oh, that's the that's the best part about doing this thing is trying to get kids involved and and helping with the kids stuff and trying to keep the sport going. You know, the kids have so much other things to do nowadays. It's hard to keep them occupied with hunting or calling or anything of that nature, and it's it's slowly going out the window. Well, now I could have left both of them with you for the evening. <laughs> <laughs> and you might could have helped them on their calling more than I did. I'm still not sure we sounded quite like a teal by the end of the. <laughs> some of the some of the mamas they 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 don't want them leave them here at the beginning, and when I send them back with a call, they kind of call me up and get mad for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Bill, I'll oh, tell you this: over the years, either with duck calls or turkey calls. If Jeremy and I are at a place or we're out somewhere in public and people ask, you know, where's the best place to practice? In your mama's car. When the <laughs> yeah. windows rolled up is by far the best place you can get the best sound. And the looks that I get sometimes are, uh, you know, it, it'd make water boil. <laughs> yep. That is also the best place to get your call thrown out the window as well. <laughs> uh, yes, I've had several of them threaten to do that with the calls. <laughs> Uh, some of my some of the guys that started out over here when they were really young, and and made their way to some of them world champions and all that and spec and snow goose calling. When they were young, they drove their parents crazy. That when I when I started them out, they uh they just went to town and blew it every chance they got. And <laughs> their moms would call me and tell me, "You created a monster." <laughs> Did you tell them, "No, I'm creating a champion." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, Keeping Mr. them out of trouble. Now, how did you get started in this? Uh, well, I always liked calling, you know, blowing calls and stuff. Ever since I first started hunting, I, I always liked to try to imitate the birds. And uh, I started contest calling around 
1998 or 1999, I think. And I met up with uh, my my ex-business partner, James Meyer, and I helped him with his call company and learned. He taught me how to make the spec calls and the goose calls. And uh, I met up with a guy named Joe Briscoe. He's got JB Custom Calls. He taught me a little bit about how to make duck calls and such and it's just progressed from contest calling into into making them now i enjoy making them and watching other people use them to win contests i get more enjoyment out of that than when i used to blow in the contest is there more or less pressure now from when you were in the contest to where now you're building the call for the contest and then watching to see how well they perform yeah, I know it's well, still pressure, but would you? I wouldn't say pressure. As it, it's a uh, anticipation, excitement, anxiety. I don't know what you call it, but <laughs> I'm always I'm always on edge until the contest's over and see how the guys do. Because I know I like to I like to like to see them when they win or they play five. It shows good for them, and it also shows good for the for the calls that we make. Oh, no doubt. And y'all make some of the, some of the world's best calls. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's always, as a coach, uh, you know, I coach a lot of kids' sports and stuff. And even when I'm not coaching, you know, you've got a kid up to bat and you, you've done everything you can do and you, you, you've gone through and you, you give him every tool and every resource you can. And you, I don't know sometimes if, if they're more nervous in the box or if I'm more nervous down third baseline to whether we're going <laughs> – you know, be successful or not. So I was wondering if that was kind of a, a same kind of it, deal or not. It is. I bet if you watch me at some of those contests, I'm pacing back and forth and I'm just as nervous as they are on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not the one having to perform. Nope. Nope. I'm just watching. Well, where, Mr. Bill, when you first got into calling and, and doing calling contests, where did you start at? Where was your first show? Uh, get on Louisiana. Gate on Louisiana. Goose call? Yep. Uh-huh. And duck. Okay. And duck. Back then, I was, there was only one or two contests anywhere in our area. It was gate on, and then they had a, a couple small ones sometimes in Lafayette at the outdoor show. or Every now and again, they'd have one around Lake Charles, but there wasn't very many uh, back in the day. There was one or two a year. That was it down here. I had no idea how much how much more opportunity guys up north had to call in all the contests until we started traveling up there and seeing how big and how many contests there are up north versus the ones we had down here. And I know y'all travel and do the, the calling contest up north, but did you do those when you first started off, or was it no, know, several I, years I just, before y'all I moved never did that? travel. I stayed around here and, and did the, the contest at Gate On and the, the Our World back in snow and you know some little local contests and such but i never there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't any other spec contest at that time when i when i was calling till after i quit well how mr bill how common is a spec calling contest i, I know i've you know up in mississippi i think we got the the mississippi state calling championship I think it's coming up like next month, but I really don't ever hear of any spec calling. How, how common are those versus duck call championships? Or uh, you they're, know, they're, they they weren't common at all. They're starting to spread out a little bit, but 
the participation in them is pretty low. I don't think uh, there's a whole lot of people that at this point in time know know about contests calling for specs and um, they trying to they tried to do one in Illinois. It lasted two years. They do one at Rogers. Uh, they do some out in California, and they did a few in Arkansas. But it it hasn't really the the contest part of it hasn't really caught on yet. But I think it's just a a matter of time. Being spec hunting is beginning to be the next greatest thing in waterfowl, considering there's not many ducks in a lot of places nowadays. Yeah, it seems like it's getting a little. It's, I, I think goose hunting in general, you know, is getting more more popular than what it was. I'd say ten years ago, you know, or it seems oh, like it to me. Most definitely, in the last in the last five or six years, the <clears throat> the places where I sell spec calls has progressively traveled north. <laughs> Used to be all, you know, mainly Louisiana, Texas, and California. That was the main place to hunt specs, and now it goes all the way up to Illinois where they're killing specs. Well, that's one thing I was feeling, say, Mr. Bill. Over the years, me traveling and hunting. You know, you go up and somebody asks you, you know, what's that call on your lanyard? And it's like a spec call. And they're like, we don't have those here. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no point in bringing that. And it's like, well, it stays on my lanyard back home. I'm not very good with it, but at least I can get their attention. You know, I'm, I'm not going to bring right. them to the ground. Uh, matter of fact, when they, if they'll turn and give me a little look, I usually just try to hush and hope they're curious most of the time you're better off doing that anyway (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's probably several folks that listen to this show that may call in and say hey he's he's really not good at all one but uh you know it's uh (laughs) we were in canada last year not this past season season four last and i was telling the guys you know they had lined us up on a canadian goose hunt and i told them i said man i said we are going we're going to work on them in the morning. We are going to shoot some Canadians in the morning. And one of the Canadian guys said, hey, we just call them geese here. So don't go around telling people you're shooting Canadians. Yeah, that don't work too good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do something in the morning. So, you know, it, but they had they had never, a speck was on their bucket list. Uh-huh. To where I had never killed a greater Canadian. I mean, when we shot one and it was 15 pounds and it fell out of the sky and hit the ground, I thought it was a juvie turkey here and was like, wow, uh, that <laughs> yeah. is a huge bird. But, you know, they were they were intrigued by, by the pictures I had of specs and uh, little short videos and stuff. And they were like, man, yeah, you know, we want to come down and get in on that. Well, let us know. We'll find one somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the same thing with me. I had never shot the big Canada geese either up until three or four years ago when I went out to California and shot some out there. And that was the first time I'd ever shot them. They don't come, they don't come down here to Louisiana. How was the hunting over Mr. Bill? In California? Yes, sir. Oh, it can be really good. at. T- it's like anywhere else. It's, your good days are really good and your slow days can be really slow. But as a whole, they have a tremendous amount of specs and snow geese over there. It's, so when it when it's right, it's unbelievable how many specs and come into the decoy. What part of the state is is known for their for their waterfowl? Uh, they have some to the south in the grassland area, and then in the Sacramento Valley, and then late late season they go up all the way north, all the way to the Oregon border for the late okay. season. They can hunt specs all the way till March tenth. Really? Oh wow! Yep. They have two lakes, 
two late seasons over there. They got a late season, which is, I think today, it just ended today for five days in the Sacramento Valley area. And then they have another one that lasts a month. It goes uh, in the Northeast zone. And I think it ends on March 10th. We may have to put that on the list, Jake. Yeah, I've never really been intrigued to go to California, but if there's a a good chance at a good hunt, I can I can be brought in, well, have, brought in, brought been, into the fold. I have there. been to Los Angeles, and I don't think anything around there is uh, is adequate for hunting ducks or geese, for that matter. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I was ready to get out as soon as I got there, so I wouldn't even <laughs> I wouldn't even ask it about staying too, longer to do anything. Too many people. No. I get out of the Sacramento airport and I turn north. I never go south. <laughs> I don't blame you. I see why. <laughs> now, Mr. Bill, when y'all are, you know, I know you sell calls all over and now, you know, worldwide. Where is the, is the south still your largest customer base or is that base expanded? Is it moving? What are you seeing? Yeah, like I said, it's it's starting to move north. I sell a a lot of calls now in Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, a lot more in Arkansas than in the past. Uh, they're finally catching on over there that the specs are something to chase after, not just a afterthought when they pass over the duck line. And then uh, I sell a lot, a lot in California. Now, is that just your, is that primarily spec calls or spec? Yeah, yeah, spec and snow goose calls. And then the duck calls, they go all over the place. But primarily the spec and, and snow goose calls go to those, those areas. And y'all manufacture everything right there, correct? No, I have, uh, I'm, I do all the custom calls here, like the handmade wood ones and hand-turned acrylic ones that people send me blanks for. But all the rest of my stuff is either made at a CNC shop or they're molded at a at a poly a guy that molds my poly call. I, I can't keep up. There's no way I could do all everything by hand anymore. We've just gotten gotten too big in the past ten years. Well, that's not a terrible thing, I don't guess. No, it's not. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm definitely not complaining. I hope it keeps on growing. Mr. Bill, I got something here. I maybe maybe putting you on the spot just a minute, but <laughs> I bet I bet you can answer the question. When it comes down to the call itself, what sets Riceland calls apart from from other brands that's out there? Hmm, I don't know. I guess the the ease of use and the the sounds that you can get out of it, you can blow it really hard if you need to and you can blow it really soft if you need to and it does pretty much any sound that can be made on a on a goose call you can do it off of our call and then plus we have three different three different size calls three different gut system calls that that all have a little bit different pitch and a different a little bit easier some of them a little bit easier some of them a little bit harder to to blow kind of try to fit everybody everybody's wants and needs yeah i know i you know i've i've blown you know several different calls throughout the years and you know you always have that one you know you go to and and uh you know different strokes for different folks i guess they say but you know you always you always find that one thing with a certain call company just you know it just stands out and that's their their thing that you find that 
you know you don't find with with other people i was just curious about you know what you what 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 your idea was and what what set Riceland apart from you know from well, all the others out there and i think one of the other things that sets us apart well i ain't gonna say sets us apart from all of them but sets us apart from some is uh, i try to make sure that everybody's happy with their calls if they have problems i fix it or whatever if they need something tuned different they send it back they can come by my shop i take care of i take care of the customers really really well the best that i can well i know and that seems to seems to seems to work and that's the way i've done it since we started and that's the way i'm gonna do it till it stops i know for me the you know the the ability to be able to give you a call and come by and you know just happen to be able to catch you that day and you know we were able to run by and visit and the the personable uh you know being very personal visiting with the boys and 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 myself Mm -hmm. and you know we we had a really good visit that day and i know that's that's one of the things not not per se the call but you know the call company the the man that that runs the show you know set it apart for me yep and that's that's what i like the most about the call business is meeting people and helping them try to help them learn some stuff that I know and try to get them better on what they're doing and try to get them what, what they need to be successful hunting or whatever their, their desire is hunting or competitions or whatever. We, we try to help as many people as we can and, and make it enjoyable for people. If they come over here and visit, I try to make it enjoyable when they come to my shop. Well, I don't know if you can get much better than that, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's a it's a small world, and everybody's growing in a, a big, fast pace. And to be able to stop and take the time to be able to do something like that just just kind of stands out to me. Thanks. Like hey. I said, that's that's the, what I enjoy doing, and that's how how it's going to be as long as I'm here. Mr. Bill, I know in your career you've had some really good duck hunts. You've had some that have made some good memories, may have, may have not been a jam-up shoot, may have been a jam-up shoot. Have you got any any stories you can lay on us here? <laughs> well, my most memorable hunts are when I take somebody hunting for the first time and they get to kill their first duck. Um, I was lucky to take a couple kids on a youth hunt this year and a couple of older kids this year that and their dads that made their first duck hunt and they enjoyed it so much i think they're hooked forever so that's what that's what gets me you know i like to do that you think that bug is bitten yes sir i think so i think so they uh they seem to enjoy it a lot and they're all they were talking about was coming back and doing it again so i think i think we got them hooked now were they hunters prior to or no, just not well, duck hunters they were they were from uh from georgia i think and all they've ever hunted was quail before and they had never waterfowl hunted and uh another the other one was from north louisiana and that was his first waterfowl hunt on the youth hunt this year and he actually killed his first two ducks or three ducks on the on the youth hunt and then the other boys killed their their ducks on the during the regular season also their dad had never hunted either and he was my age or older and he he had never been hunting duck hunting either well, you know, we've we've talked about it on here. You know, Jeremy and I will we'll pretty much hunt anything, uh, whether it's a varmint or a, a deer or a turkey or a duck or a squirrel or coon, you know, just whatever. If it's a hunting season, we we kind of grew up in it. But a lot of people haven't grown up in it, right? 
But then you find right. folks who have deer hunted their whole life, and they're like, I don't get this duck hunting. Y'all going sitting in water, and you're wearing waders, and you, uh, they're, they're, that's just stupid. There's no attraction. And you get them out there, and they're like, all right, I see what you mean now. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah there's mean, a lot more to look at when you're duck hunting than deer hunting most of the time. Well, and hopefully, you know, most time there's more chance to pull the trigger. There's there's more of a chance to visit and and, and kind of, yep. you know, you're – you're getting to you don't have to sit and be quiet the whole time there's usually more junk going on in the blind than there is outside of the blind yep like when you're when you're not seeing deer hunting you're just stuck sitting there listening to yourself thinking when there's nothing flying in a duck blind you'd be amazed all the bs that flies around in there <laughs> <laughs> the bs there's somebody cooking there's somebody messing with somebody uh oh you know, yeah sometimes those shotguns don't work good when you slide your bolt back a little bit <laughs> that that can start an argument i believe <laughs> <laughs> it has <laughs> it has i could see that uh that not going well at all the uh, uh you know uh, mine snicked on me one time this year i had not had hunted a real hard rain and had hunted it really hard and not cleaned my gun which was my fault and uh, I think Jeremy had the same experience too on a different hunt, but it, it was one of those where I I was firing a single shot instead of a an automatic all of a sudden, and it was like, oh, what have I got going? Well, I I pulled one back and let it go, and it didn't slam all the way home. And next bird come in, just hovering right there in front of me, and I clicked, and I'm like, I I don't know what I just did, but uh, <laughs> something's fixing to get worked on. Yeah, and, and that's that a funny feeling when you think you're going to shoot and it don't. It amazes you how much you realize you flinch. Oh yeah, it's funny I, to watch too. When I you, flinched when you and wouldn't they do it? And have shot thousands of rounds with a shotgun, and actually, you know, you hit that like, oh, what did it do? It didn't do what it was supposed to do. Uh, but yeah. Now I know you have another passion besides duck hunting. I know you are an avid turkey hunter. Yes, sir. And, Getting ready for that too. And you have a pretty nice collection, and you have one of the finest turkeys I've ever seen mounted on your wall at the house. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty nice one. I got him in Oklahoma. Have we got any trips planned for this year? Oh, yeah. I'm going to Mississippi, uh, not on opening day, but a couple of days after opening day. And then I'm going to Oklahoma. Here in Louisiana and possibly out to California. So you're going to make the trip to California on a du- on a turkey hunt, also. I think so. Okay, I think so. And is that uh, an eastern out there? My my buddy said he's got a place where, where I can get a Miriam turkey out there, so that's what I want to go try to get. I never shot one of those. Okay, hey, are you working on your Grand Slam, Mr. Bill? I never thought about it, but I'd like to get them all. I've, I've shot Easterns and Rios, but I've never shot anything else. Well, I finished mine a couple of years ago, and it's a it's a really neat experience to get them all. It, it was a lot of miles covered and a lot of lot of fun, a yep, lot of challenges, a lot of different no. weather. I just like getting being able to go other places and do other things. I, I never would have thought that the call business would have allowed me to go places that i've never never ever dreamed of being able to go you know i get i'm fortunate enough to meet a lot of people and i get to 
to go to places that I would have never went if I wouldn't be in this call business and waterfowl business. I bet you do. I bet you do come across some really neat opportunities and meet some different folks that have opportunities to be able to see and do different things. Yeah, and I've met I've met tons of great people since I started this. Some people that I would have never met without the call business, you know. Well, that was that was one of the things over the years we've had a lot of folks or over this past year, you know, folks ask us, you know, hey, why are y'all doing a podcast? Are y'all making any money at it? And it's like, no, not really. I mean, it normally costs us money each month to do it, but uh, <laughs> the people we're getting to meet, the relationships we're getting to build, the opportunities that are now out there that weren't out there, you know, I've been invited on several different hunts this year that would not have came out if if we weren't doing the show. You know, somebody thinks that's cool and wants us to, you know, come try their place or wants to maybe hunt with us we've talked to somebody and they told somebody else about it and it's like you know that's i don't you know if we ever make money at it that's one thing but you know to me the enjoyment i'm getting out of doing it and the relationships i'm getting to build are well worth everything we've put into it right that's exactly right and you enjoy doing it so that anytime you enjoy what you're doing that's a plus anyway it doesn't have to make a lot of money no, that doesn't hurt, especially if you're wanting to travel. <laughs> no, it doesn't hurt, but that's not, I, I feel like I'm rich just being able to do what I want to do every day and get up and go work in my shop or get up and go hunting, and I don't have to do the old grind like I was doing when I was a superintendent for a general contractor. Now, is that what you were doing before you got into building uh-huh. calls? Yep. yep. Uh, this is my uh, sixth six year doing calls calls full-time now okay well that's awesome and and growing every day i guide i guide during duck season right down the road from my house which makes it really easy too so i guide every day during hunting season and then i build calls when i get home now being that that ought to be a pretty pretty good deal for any hunter coming in i mean you've got a world champion caller You've got a, a call builder, a man with a reputation of be able to just put them in your lap. That's that's not a bad deal to be able to go with a, a guide of that caliber. Yeah, that, I, I try my best. Uh, some days it don't <laughs> always work, but I, I usually try to make it enjoyable for everybody that comes and hunts with me. Sometimes, some days it doesn't matter how good you call. If the ducks aren't there, they're just not there. No, can't make them come. Can't make them fly. That's for the one thing you can't do. Definitely a good reason to leave your calls in a truck. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, I'll tell you this real quick. The the day we went and visited with Mr. Bill, I I got the boys two calls, two blue-winged teal calls, and they were like, man, Mr. Bill was nice enough to to run through it and kind of show them how to use it a little bit. And Hayden looked at me and he said, Mr. Jack, he said, go ahead. I was like, no, baby, I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not, not going to play with the professional. Uh, did you see the amount of plaques on that man's wall when we walked in? No, I'll, I'll save mine for the bush out there, and we'll we'll worry about ours in a blind. I'm not I'm not getting in and see if Mr. Bill wants to have a contest right here. <laughs> well, the the contest days that's long gone. Them young boys that do it now they done pass me up a long ways long ways ahead. Them kids catch on so fast it's unbelievable. Do you think you could still run one, Mr. Bill? 
oh, I can still run one. I don't think I could win anything, but I, <laughs> I can still blow one fairly good. <laughs> I wonder if that if that doesn't come out every once in a while that maybe that competitive edge wants to go oh, and some, run a some routine. Some days I think I want to get back and I go try blowing a snow goose contest and I usually screw up before it's done. <laughs> <laughs> them young guys, I don't like to give them the satisfaction of them beating me, so I just I just let them do it. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Sometimes it's better to teach than, uh, than uh, you know, you don't want to I coach a sport sometimes and, you know, you get out there and you got young guys that are, you know, trying to show them how to fire off the ball or something. And it's like, all right, I'm going to show you this. And I'm going back over on the sideline. I'm going to get out of the way. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Cause they are, they are getting bigger and stronger all the time. Uh, I've got one that he's convinced he's going to beat me in a handshake before he's all said and done, and he's about 15 now, and his hands are bigger than mine now, and it's like, yeah, it won't be long. I'm going to have to punch him to make him let go. <laughs> yep. But the, uh, no, it, now, with turkey season rolling around, you said you had several different places you were headed. Uh, mm-hmm. You're running to Mississippi, you're running to Oklahoma now. The big bird that you killed in Oklahoma, give us a story uh-huh. on that one. He wasn't a, he wasn't the big bird that actually I was hunting. Uh, there was one bigger than him, and he came out with two of his buddies and chased off another small tom that was sitting in front of me, and they chased them all the way across the field, and the big one never came back. And the one I got happened to come by, and I, I saw those, I looked at him with binoculars and saw those spurs. And I said, well, that's plenty big enough. I shot him and went over to look at him, and I had knocked about a, oh, a good third of his beard off when I shot him. When I picked him up, I saw those spurs. And I was, I had never shot one with spurs that big. They were inching, inching seven eighths and an inching 13 sixteenths, I think. Yeah. And uh, he had an 11 inch. Right at 11-inch beard, and he weighed 24 and a half pounds. Well, not only the length of the turkey spurs, but the diameter of them, the thickness yeah, they of were, them. they were big. It almost looked like a pencil poking off the back of him. Yep, yep, he was something. But like I said, he, he wasn't a big one. They had a one that that was had a much bigger beard and, and looked like even longer spurs than him that I was watching. I saw him two days in a row, and I never could get a shot at him. Really? You th- the spurs on him, you believe, were bigger? Yeah, it looked like when I, when I looked at him in the binoculars, it looked like it was a fighting chicken. <laughs> it, looked like it, fight, it looked like it was a fighting rooster, like he had daggers on the back of his leg. And I never, I, I tried to get, look for him last year, never did run across him again. Couldn't sweet talk him in. Nope, I never, I never saw him again. I got you. Uh, he may have moved on or. Somebody else may have been successful. Yeah, you never know. The good thing about where I hunt on my buddy's place over there, we're pretty much, I'm pretty much the only one that that hunts on that on that area. There's nobody else really hunts turkeys back there, so it's like a little, like a little piece of heaven to me when I when I get down from chasing those easterns in Louisiana and not having any luck, I go over there to make me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> now, traveling north will make you feel better a lot of times. Uh, yes, sir. We we've yeah. said it on here, and I've said it over the years. If you can kill one down south, and I use Southwest Mississippi, I've never really hunted in South Louisiana very much. But if you can kill one down here, 
you can be successful anywhere. Um, some of the guys up north I've hunted with, they've laughed when I got out and grabbed calls. They're like, you don't need that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't need my calls. They're like, no, come on. And it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be different. Uh, a friend of mine in Amarillo uh, met a man out there years ago, and he had a nice ranch, and he said, jump in the truck. I grabbed my vest. He's like, leave that junk. You don't need it. And like, oh, <laughs> Okay, and we went and we we were successful. We both killed a turkey, and I asked him. I said, "Do you mind in the morning if I actually turkey hunt?" Um, this was more like a, <laughs> this was more like a shoot. Is it okay if I turkey hunt in the morning? He said, "Well, yeah. If you want to do that junk, go for it." So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Some uh, places had, are really easy. We had a man in Nebraska told us, you know, he wanted you to kill the gobblers, the jakes, the hens, and if you found eggs, stomp on them. They did not like turkeys. They did not care anything for them. They just wanted them gone. Yeah, that's my buddy in Oklahoma, he doesn't care for me. They said he run off his deer when he's deer hunting in the winter. <laughs> well, in Oklahoma has such a short deer season, but yep. it's not but what two weeks? Sixteen days, 16 I think. Sixteen days, maybe fourteen days. Something like that. It's not very long for gun season. So I guess you really don't have a. You don't want to have any. Anything else messing with it other than you? Right. Bumping a well, he deer. He sends me pictures in the winter. Sometimes twenty or thirty turkeys out in front of his stand. <laughs> Do they not have a fall turkey season? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not in that. Not in the county where he's at. I don't think they have one. Okay. The county he's at, he you can, can only shoot one. He can. Work and the on season's that. only open for two weeks. On turkeys. Yeah, it's uh. In the southeast corner of Oklahoma, and the, the, there's supposed to be eastern turkeys there in the southeast corner of Oklahoma. But he's right on the border. He's on the last county to the west, and most of the turkeys on his place seem to be hybrids like Rio and, and eastern mix. Um, it's hard to tell. if When I first started hunting hunted there about six or seven years ago, you could definitely tell they were easterns. And throughout the past for five years it's hard to tell what which which is which because they all they have similarities of eastern and similarities of rios that's interesting uh i guess just the the influx of the rios coming in they've intermingled yep. and and that population is is growing faster or or the i guess yeah the, i think the, i think the rios uh evidently are more dominant than the Easterns. I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but that's what it seems like. They're pushing in there and, and uh, pushing the Easterns out. There's not very many. Um, there's not many, very, many, very many Easterns in the, in that corner of Oklahoma anymore. Well, see, I've hunted near there, but I've never hunted in the the southeast corner. You're talking about right above Paris, Texas, and would well, be Jefferson. Yeah, by by Ada. I got um, you. See, when I hunted, I lived in Wichita Falls for about six years and hunted in uh, Lawton and around Altus, and that was parts mm-hmm. of Oklahoma that I got I had the opportunity to be able to hunt in. And but even when I was up there, most of the people up there didn't care about them. Um, you know, you you talk to somebody and ask them if they had turkeys, or you know, they'd be telling you something about deer. And man, it was a drove of turkeys came through. And like, well, y'all want to go hunting? No, man. But if you want to, you can. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, there's a lot of places that that don't even care about them. And see, this part of the world's not like that. Uh, huh? <laughs> no, if there's turkeys in Louisiana, there's somebody hunting them. The same thing with 
Mississippi and Georgia and Alabama. They're, they're all over them things. And you don't know about it until after they're gone, after they're already deceased, because nobody's going to tell you early on that they have turkeys. So I, uh, nope. I get tickled. Some <laughs> kind of the, hold it under their vest. Some of the kids that we talk to all the time, they're like, man, Mr. Jake, we got turkeys. And you'll see one of them's daddy cut their eyes like, hey, why don't you hush? Uh I'm like, well, baby, unless you invite me over there, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come outlaw you. But uh, you do need to be careful with who you tell. <laughs> they're, they're, yes, sir. There are a lot of people that don't care about fence lines, and that's a, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I now monitor them way better than. than way I, better when you were a kid. Yes, sir. Which we spend uh-huh. a lot of time over here in the Homochitta National Forest. So I mean, you've got thousands upon thousands of acres to run at, but. Nowadays, the first couple of weeks of the season, you have Louisiana season hasn't opened, Tennessee season hasn't opened, Arkansas hasn't opened, and it's just you know we're inundated with with out of state hunters, which is good for local economy, but it's 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 hard on local hunters to be able to get in there. I usually wait till about the second or third week before I even attempt to get over there. Uh huh. It's just so many so many folks in there it's just to me it's not safe uh yeah you never know you never know who's behind that gun hiding in the bushes when you're on public ground well and you're all wearing camouflage toting a firearm so it's uh and everybody's trying yep. to be just as quiet and stealth well let me say for the most part people are trying to be stealthy and now some of them you know they they're running their own calling contest over there and <laughs> making as much noise as they can. And I normally like those folks because they usually run something towards you. So, uh huh. <laughs> same thing. Same thing when you're duck hunting. They always got one guy that's blowing all that contest stuff and giving everything away. <laughs> well, and the more you hunt public land, Jeremy and I hunt a lot of public land, and uh, you know, we travel a good bit and. I've told folks over the years we go to Arkansas, and if you're up in Biomeda, there are several walk-in spots over the years we found. And at daylight, it's it's some guys running some calls, and they are running them, running them, running them. And I'll tell everybody, hey, shoot your wood ducks early, and then just enjoy your breakfast, sit down, drink your coffee. And they're like, what do you mean? It's ducks flying. It's like, don't don't worry about it right now. Wait till about eight thirty, that fifteen shot limit. You know, you can only take fifteen shells in. They're going to run out of shell shortly, and then we can go to hunting. Yep. Once, Get them all out of the way. <laughs> once it quiets down, and then the ducks will want to work in. And it's the same way with turkeys. Uh, but I, I know my passion for turkeys, I would actually say I like to chase a turkey more than I like to chase a duck. Mm, I can't say that. Speckled butter is still my number one, but turkeys is close, getting closer every year. <laughs> So the specs are the specs are still dominant. Yes, sir. I, I I love watching them things work and come in like they're supposed to. Mr. Bill, are we getting to the part? Do you think maybe they need to start messing with limits, adding an extra goose on, or do you think the population's well, at a point I, we could do that yet? Or I think they're they're proposing to add another add ours to three this year here um i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing i kind of kind of toss up about that i think adding another bird is going to keep people in the blind longer and shooting at more groups educating more in in an already pressured area but then again you got to think about the guys that only get to hunt a couple of days a couple weekends out of the year and you know 
I kind of feel bad for them if they can't get but two. You know, if they could get have a possibility of getting three, I guess that's good for them. But I don't know. The, the, the goose hunting down here is be, becoming harder and harder every year because there's less and less specs showing up down here every year. Well, you would think with less and less showing up, they would that would get tabled on adding another. Yeah, that's what you would think. But you never know about our wildlife and fisheries, what they're going to come up with. They don't always come up with something that makes a whole lot of sense to everybody. <laughs> well, that is very true. Uh, it's not often. There's a lot of things that come out that I look at and shake my head. And sometimes they, you know, it, it, it works out for the good. And then sometimes it's like, mm, okay, that's kind of what I thought yeah. on that. And think, what were they thinking? You know, I, I don't know. Sometimes they, like I said, they do things that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But just do it, deal with what they give you, and enjoy it while you're out there. Well, and and I know you're like we are. You're always trying to get somebody new into it, and and get build the sport and keep the sport going. And you know, um, a lot of folks don't realize that if it wasn't for hunters you wouldn't have the opportunities that you have now, uh, you know, yep. with conservation and, and trying to keep a sustainable resource that we can utilize and, and enjoy uh, the amount of money, the amount of time, energy, uh, you know, plant from planting crops to managing habitat to everything under legislation to, you know, anything and in, in all above to be able to enjoy the resource that we have. It's an ongoing. Yep. It's not something you do one time and wish it well. It's it's an ongoing act that yep, you have the to moment, continue. The moment you stop, it's going to be it's going to be gone. And and trying to get young folks in and and going to that, Mr. Bill. I know y'all have y'all's kids event coming up for for Delta Waterfowl, and it'll be yep. it'll be in Lake March, Charles. Is that correct? Yep, March twenty eighth at the Lake Charles Gun Club. Okay, and. Uh, how many kids are y'all expecting this year? Uh, I'm hoping the top 100. We keep saying we're going to get over 100, and we get we're kind of stuck between 80 and 90. It seems like um, I don't know why uh, we they have all kind of stuff for kids to do. They can shoot skeet. They can they have uh, youth calling contests and novice calling contests. They have free food, free drinks. Uh, they all get every every kid that shows up gets a some sort of a goodie bag. Last year they got I think blind bags with a with a bunch of stuff inside of them, and we try to give everybody something nice when they come, something that they can use for hunting later on, and uh, try to make it a, a a good time for everybody. We have uh, dog trainers that show them how to work dogs, and uh, the wildlife and fisheries come out and show them how to identify ducks and such. It, it's pretty. Pretty nice, nice time at the game club. Well, I know I'm going to try to bring a crew down. I had told you when we first talked that I was going to try to get a crew, so I'm going to I'm going to do my best to put at least five to ten in a vehicle and and bring them down that, and that would be great. Let that them come, let them come see what the what y'all show looks like because ours ours will actually be the next weekend and we're hoping to have between 200 250 kids so. Yeah, that's what you told me. You have way more than way more than we can get going. But it's like I said earlier. There's so many different things that keep kids occupied. They got soccer, baseball, football. I mean, you name it. They're playing all the sports, and it's hard to find a weekend to 
get everybody together on the same weekend where they don't have anything else going on. It is. I know uh, we one of the best partnerships we've made, Mr. Bill. I know I've told you this off the air, but uh, you know we we partnered with the 4-H group here, and they have a large shooting group. Uh, you know, they shoot skeet, they shoot uh, pistols, air rifles, bows, and by partnering with them, we already have a contingent base. We know how many shooters they're going to have, and they're able to rotate in and out through our event in between their events. And it, it really worked well together. Us being a partner with them has, has really done well over the years. Yep, I'm going to talk to them about that when we have our meeting here in the next week or so about somebody getting in touch with the, all the local 4-H and see how see if they can get some of them involved and get some of them to help with the shooting stuff. And we, also give, we also have duck calling and goose calling seminars. Usually have a couple world champion goose callers and such over there giving – you know, pointers and lessons on how to blow spec calls and duck calls and such. Kelly Haydell with Haydell's calls comes down, and he he's great with giving seminars for the kids. I mean, he does a wonderful job doing that. And then John Chesson, which is multi, multi, multi-time goose calling world champion, he, he does this, a lot of this, the spec calling seminars for the kids, and they seem to enjoy that. Well, Mr. Bill. Oh, I bet so. We are we are coming to the end here, Jeremy. Have you got anything you want to? Or Mr. I'm going to sit down with those kids at those college <laughs> seminars. That's what it sounds like with all these people showing up. That's what <laughs> I was <laughs> just <laughs> thinking. It's, it's free for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, I you know I may be over there perched in the middle of the kids trying to learn myself. So uh, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, the, gotta, the, gotta, the parents, gotta, the parents are always sitting in with them, so it won't be no problem. <laughs> I blend right in, huh? Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Bill, we appreciate you uh, coming on and and visiting with us this evening. We'll have to uh, we we'll have to catch back up and and see what's going on with you later on. Well, thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed talking to y'all. Absolutely. Well, everybody, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Jacob and Jeremy, God bless. God bless. Ain't nothing like a southern air Lord, to make you feel alright I got the windows down I got the radio on